Thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I'm your host, Ryan Burklow. And on today's podcast, we have a very special person. Uh, Her name is Dr. Jaquel Patterson. She has a personal practice in Connecticut. She's a sought-after speaker, and she's the past president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. And if that's not enough, she also, in her spare time, decided to release a book called Naturopreneurs, Building Your Successful and Scalable Integrative Medical Practice. So welcome to the show, Dr. Patterson. Hi, thank you so, so much for having me. Really excited to talk um, definitely about the book and also about what I uh, what I do, um, not only as a naturopathic physician, but also in helping other integrative practitioners regarding their business practice. So, so, so excited to talk more about that today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, you and I were, were talking prior to, to hopping on here and it was, I was so excited to see you release your book just because in the ND community, there's just not a lot of information out there and how to build the practice and how to market the practice and, and build what you want. And like, I read your book as soon as it came out and I was just, you did a fantastic job from my perspective and I couldn't wait to have you on the show. Thank you. Yes. And that's the piece of why I really came out with it because there's a need for naturopathic doctors for actually integrated medicine in general. There's really nothing out there on coming out with a private practice and how to do that and build it successfully. So that's exactly why I came out with it. Um, After just tons of time I spent either mentoring, in my experience as leadership, um, I not only am a naturopathic physician for the past 12 years, but I also have my MBA and worked as a healthcare executive for over a decade. So I have kind of that mixed background and is when I realized that there's really no resource out there for us to be able to reference. And this is exactly why I created this this book as well as my coaching program. Yeah, you've got several pieces in your background in, in terms of what all you've done through through your life thus far. And one of them was, I noticed you were a chief operating officer and then the, another one was compliance officer. Uh-huh. So <laughs> one end of the spectrum <laughs> to the other, everyone's favorite topic around compliance. How I did, know. How did this all come about? Yes. So I so when I first got into the world of naturopathic medicine, I, I really got into it. I'd say since I was a kid, I was always interested. I didn't know what it was called. And so I went into, uh, my mother also became ill. She had lupus when I was 15. And it really kind of disillusioned me with, dis- I became really disillusioned, to be honest, with the just conventional medical model. And so I went to Cornell University undergrad at that time as plant science major. So I was interested at that time. But I didn't know of you know, naturopathic medicine. I didn't know about integrative medicine. All I knew about was Dr. Andrew Wheel. And I knew you couldn't do that through the conventional hospital approach. So I actually changed my degree while I was in school to economics and business. And I worked in the food industry for a few years on marketing and business analytics. And what I found was I was really good at that. And so I learned about naturopathic medicine um, pretty like probably my last year of school at Cornell. And I went, I worked for a few years and took all the pre-medical requirements and went back. So I ended up going 
full circle to what I was always interested in. I just didn't know what it was called. And during that time, when I was in naturopathic medical school, I became really involved in public health. I was like a health chair for the NAACP in Bridgeport. I got the public, um, it was the basically community, the volunteer work um, for my last year in school as naturopathic medical school. And so when I graduated, I ended up getting recruited at a lobby day. So it was important to go to lobby day from a CEO <laughs> at a health center. And she just loved my energy. And she said, you know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't have a job right now, but I'm going to create it. And I want to have integrative medicine in our health center. So that's what started all the process. It was all about connections. And that's a really huge piece to me and my life. And what I think is really important for other people is your networks and connection. And so that kind of really started me on that route to doing quality improvement, doing work in childhood obesity. And then I became really, really good at operations and implementing structure and programs and compliance. And so before I knew it, I started going down that route and still practicing. And then ultimately now in the last few years, I've decided to quit all the you know leadership stuff, healthcare executive and run my own multidisciplinary practice. And I feel like, you know, everything in life builds upon each other. And that experience allowed me to be really successful. I feel like out of the gate in terms of, you know, six figure practice in two months time. And I think it was really based on my prior experience doing business that allowed me to be able to do that so fast. Well, that's gotta be huge. That prior experience had to be huge from starting your personal practice and, and then the growth of that practice, because to your point, all of that background and education that you got to learn, not just from a book, but actually experiencing it firsthand in real life and mm -hmm. application of it absolutely is huge because a graduating ND right now that's trying to open their own practice, like don't have any of that. Yes. Hence, And you don't you know, learn... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. You don't learn. Go ahead. So, and then you don't learn. You try to learn it in school. You do learn it in practice management classes, some basic pieces. But you know, you're not, your mindset's not, you're not thinking that way in your last year. You're so anxious about taking your boards and this and what am I going to do with my life that you're not really focused on it, right, when you're in your last year of school. And there's no real other places to be able to gather that information. Well, and as we just said, learning it from a book, then actually applying it to real life is oftentimes black and white. <laughs> it's like it's way different. So um, so the title of the book, so I love the title of the book, Naturepreneurs, first of all, that's awesome. Just that's, that part right there was awesome, I loved. <laughs> but building your successful and scalable integrated medical practice. So what led you to write the book? So I found that, you know, if I'd say, what do I spend a lot of my time on? It was definitely helping to mentor. It's actually been something I've done since college, like helping people write their resumes and interview. And I've always loved doing that. But for for integrative medicine, for naturopathic medicine, I mean, that's why I've been so involved in the national level in general is because I really feel that our medicine truly should be the foundation and core of how medicine is provided, like throughout the United States, throughout the world. So in order for us to be able to do that, there has to be more of us successful, right? Because we can't, people can't access us if they don't know about us and they don't know about us if we're not successful. So right. for me, that was really, really important because I don't want us to be in naturopathic medicine specifically, like a dying profession. I don't want integrative medicine to be, you know, something that is so hard to access because people are not, um, their businesses are not are not doing well enough because they haven't learned how to be a business person. That's not what we get trained in. And so for me, that's why I put this together because I'm really committed to that. 
and I feel like um, I, I just want this to be available to the community at large, to individuals at large. And so anything I can do to support in my own way in the area that I know I'm really strong at, I'm going to do that. Love it. One of the, the key pieces, and, and you have a whole chapter dedicated to it, but you can also see it throughout the entire book, is is setting the right intention or the, or the mindset of, of building the practice or what type of practice you want to build. You specifically call out actually having a, a positive directed uh, and proactive mindset rather than the reactive or, or fear-based mindset. So building a practice is, is scary, like no matter what, how do you speak into controlling that, that let's just call it fear? Mm -hmm. I think the one thing is realizing that we all are, are fearful. Even the people that you see out there that are on the stage and seem confident, we all have our fears. They all might be different fears. So I think the first thing I said is, is thinking that it's not about you. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but, but it isn't about you. I think sometimes we take ourselves almost too seriously instead of just doing something, you know, just taking a little action, taking one step forward. Um, so I think realizing for me that it wasn't about me, it was about this message and this amazing medicine we have to provide to patients. That kind of led me to being a lot more confident in my approach, not thinking of it as myself. You know, I used to be shy doing like a Facebook Live or doing a talk of like, well, what do I have to share? Um, but you do have to share because we just took four years of medical program. Now I have, and now, and for a lot of us, four years, you know, just graduating, a lot of students will feel like, well, that's not enough. I need to be out for 10 years before I can mm -hmm. do that. You're never going to feel ready, but you have to realize, you know, way, way more than you actually think you do. And it's helpful for so many people. And so to not be able to put yourself out there is really a disservice to the people that can really benefit. So I think taking yourself, taking yourself away from it was one of my first steps. Um, the other thing is being around positive people. It sounds really silly, but I think sometimes even starting in school, you're, you know, there's stress, there's some negativity, there's, you know, people that you might be around that don't have that mindset. So you need to be around people that are like-minded are going to uplift you. And also who can you learn from? So if you don't feel like you're getting that from maybe the immediate people you're around, is there a coaching program you can be all right of? Is there an ND out there that's like, wow, they're successful. I really want to do that. Can you get mentorship from them? Or can, maybe it's just you can follow them. So following the right people is important. And it might not even be another naturopathic doctor. It might be listening to Brené Brown. It might be listening to Mel Robbins, you know, their books or these podcasts. I listen to them all the time to get different perspectives and to rejuvenate me. So I think that positivity um, trying to get direction from people that really are obviously have a lot more experience. The other thing is gratitude. I always make uh, pay, you know, I have my gratitude journal and I'm, I always make a knowledge of what I'm grateful for and also a positive thing of what I've done really well today. So keeping to help to keep that mindset consistent and also realizing that, you know, we picked as naturopathic doctors a not an easy path <laughs> and with that but we also picked a path that we're passionate about and not many people can say that about the career that they're in so you know really make sure to to continue to remember that and to continue to refuel yourself in that regard about the passion of why of naturopathic medicine and our philosophy yeah i mean it i think i've heard this several times but the the start with your why aspect 
of, you know, why did you go to school and work your tail off to, to get to then get mm -hmm. out? And then what you want to build in either a personal practice or maybe even partnering up with someone else. But if you're surrounding yourself with negative people or uh, just people that aren't as maybe um, actively or proactively trying to build their practice, it, it's kind of like I think there's a I forget who said it, but you're the from an income perspective, mm -hmm. you're the average of the five people you hang around. I yes. think it also ties it ties into the, the positivity that you have of the mm -hmm. people that you hang around with. So absolutely love that chapter. Might have been my favorite chapter. <laughs> that It's the hardest piece to control is all the crap that goes through our minds mm -hmm. as we're trying to build what we're trying to build. And when you're in practice, it's going to get harder, even if you're 10 years out, because there's going, you might decide, you know what, I don't like this, you know, niche. I don't want to see this type. I want to change to my model. Um, you're going to have, you're going to get hit from different things, you know, in different ways. And so you have to constantly reground yourself. I'm always reminding myself of that all the time. And, um, or else you're just going to lose track of, of, of why you got into it in the first place. And so that's really, really important to always go back to almost like what you learned from the first year of school. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So this is a good segue into, so you understand your why then in chapter five, it's all about marketing and branding, which might be the hardest piece in building the practice outside of your mindset. So especially for naturopaths. So you've come out of your shell a little bit. What, what was mm -hmm. your tipping point or, or was it natural for, for the branding or the marketing aspect to come out? For me, I, for me, and I give advice on that is kind of getting out of your own way and also doing it your way, the way that you feel most comfortable with. So there's so many things out there with marketing, like, you know, advertising in this or going into TV or, you know, so many different ways to be able to do it. And there's not necessarily a cookie cutter approach. What I've always said is like, what is the thing that's your strength? And that's the area you focus on. For example, like if you're a good writer, say, I hate writing. So like, I'll take forever. <laughs> I might wait weeks <laughs> to write something. But if you tell me, okay, go and do like a video or go and talk about this, easy. I can just do that and not be prepared. So for me, going and doing like a talk or or one of those things, that's much more, that's easier for me. Whereas for some people, they love to write. So write like blogs because blogs are actually one of the single most, you know, doing one or two blogs for your website gets you up higher in like SEO and allows people to find you or writing in newspapers or newsletters. So that's also marketing or writing letters to other doctors to introduce them to yourself. You might be much stronger at that and be, and be able to do that might be your initial best way to market. So I say play on your strengths um, as you plan for marketing. For me, um, my best strength I found in marketing is connections and strategizing like my network. So mm. I'm really good about building my referral network. So I have a group of, of doctors, you know, outside of naturopathic doctors, MDs, DOs, and different specialties that I might have reached out to. And I build those connections by talking about, you know, what kind of um, things we share in common and how we can collaborate and work together. And then the other thing I do with those contacts is I continually nurture those leads. Like I continually stay in relationships. And I think that's something I feel like I see missing a lot is that people will, especially, I feel like just different gener generational, <laughs> I don't want to call it any gener, but it's generationally I've had like mentees and I've said, okay, I want to hear from you, 
outside of when you need, you know, you need something, you know, it's good to be in touch with people. So right. I find that those things really help because you might call contact that one person and they're like, Hey, this thing came up. I was just thinking of you and they can give you an opportunity. So a lot of my marketing has been honestly has been the connections and networks through building a good, a really strong referral base with other doctors. And that didn't require a lot of marketing money that just required my ability of having a stronger interpersonal skills and building those relationships. And so each person, each, every one of you listening in has that you just need to, and you know what it is. You have to tap into that and think about how can I strategize and use this in terms of my marketing and branding in a way that, that, that gets me kind of going. Yeah, what, what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is almost be your authentic self and do what you're good at and, mm -hmm. and do almost naturally. You were talking about, you know, maybe a, a video versus blogging, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You've got that aspect. And then you brought up the other aspect of, you know, connections through referrals, right? So it, it's the different ways of marketing yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not just one way, you have to have exactly. multiple ways. And then probably the hardest piece to all of this is you have to be consistent at doing it. It can't just be one week on, one week off. <laughs> I will say that's it's the same with Facebook Lives, with postings. I mean, all of us struggle with that. That's not, you know, so how do you do it in a way that's structured to fit into your life? But honestly, with business, with finance, which I know is a focus for you, everything is about consistency. It's like one number, one thing I say is like, the one thing in like life that will always happen is change. You can always count on change. You can never count on anything being fixed. And the other thing I always say is exactly like consistency because that's always going to win amongst everything else is being consistent. So um, in every way. <laughs> so definitely agree. Even if you're consistent doing the wrong stuff, you eventually learn that it's not the right thing, <laughs> right? Like exactly. the consistency of doing it teaches you like, oh, okay, that's not the thing to do because it's not yielding me any results. Mm -hmm. But if you only did it once, how do you know? <laughs> and that's such a good point because they even use that in performance improvement models. I think Good to Great talks about that. It's like the companies that do well, they'll fail. What happens is they fail a lot, but they fail faster and learn faster they fail from. So in order to do that, like you said, you have to be consistent because you can't try it once and go, oh, that didn't work. I sucked at that. Lots of times you have to do it multiple times and then you go, oh, okay, well, I might be okay at that. I just needed to practice it versus you're not good at it. So the only way you would know that is by trying it 30, 40, I'm good for doing things a million times and then, and then finally giving up. So, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. And having someone to help you either be accountable or, or to your point, a coach is a huge piece. Like that, that value is ridiculous. I've got a coach mm -hmm. in my practice, my personal practice to help me stay on task because I'm like a two-year-old. It's like squirrel walks in front of me and I want to know what's going on there. <laughs> that's me too. Everything is exciting to me. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a cool project. I should try exactly. that. Like this podcast, I've actually held out for probably four years because I was a, I was afraid it was a squirrel. And, <laughs> you know, it actually ended up being okay. But that all that training helped me get there. But that's beside the point. <laughs> So, so scaling the practice, so your marketing, your branding. So as the practice is scaling, you know, the hiring of employees is a huge piece, uh, not only from, uh, from a value add for your practice, but it's also huge. It can be a huge cost. So it, it's another big area in your book. So what should NDs be looking for in, in their practice around this? So I say if, if you're new to graduating, I definitely feel that you should you know, start out with a virtual assistant. And the reason why... Um, 
some people will look at getting a part-time staff in the beginning, but what I, I feel like what I like about the virtual assistant, it gives you a chance to test out what works and doesn't work. And it also allows you, I um, have a basically a, a free magnet on that. It's called myvirtualassistant.com if you want to check it out. But it's basically a checklist on how to work with a virtual assistant. So it's helpful because in general, when you work with them, you have to have a create a structure. You know, what kind of calls are going to come in? How should you answer those calls? It kind of gets you in that standpoint of basically being able to hire. I definitely, in terms of the staff to hire initially, would, would be ad administrative staff that are going to help to support you. Um, how I say to make that decision is, is not just, you know, what makes your life easier by having a staff, but are, is it going to help your bottom line? So is it going to give you an ROI? You know, if you hire a staff, does that now mean you can get five or 10 more patients in a month? And so you wanna see at that point where you can't manage it on your own with your schedule, let's say if your schedule is halfway full, that now at this time it makes sense to have a front desk staff because that might mean now that you can have 50% more patients that you're not able to manage really on your own. So you don't wanna only look at it from the standpoint of making my life easier, but will this actually add value to your bottom line where you'll be able to get a higher return on investment and also do they match your culture and things like that so i know i talk a little bit about that the book that in the book even as it pertains to hiring a virtual assistant but usually what i say for people is to first you know look at having a virtual assistant so you could test it out and then at the point where the virtual assistant costs as much as i'm definitely very much a numbers like person so if i find the virtual assistant is costing as much as like let's say a part-time position at that time it's like okay it's better to hire a part-time position so you don't have to hire a full-time position it might be you just hiring someone for 10 or 15 hours a week um you might want to put them as a contracting or for a probation for three months actually you should always put everybody on probation for three months but you might look at it as like a temporary temporary role and so that's what that's a nice buildup is like a temp and then like a part-time because it'd be 10 to 15 hours and it gives you the chance to, to decide like how they're really gonna help to support you the best. One thing that <clears throat> I know I had to analyze in my practice before I hired my first um, employee, um, and I'm assuming it correlates to a naturopath's practice, is I was analyzing the numbers of the cost and, and you brought up you know ROI and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And my coach finally said, you're always going to find a reason or something there financially or mathematically that says it doesn't make sense to do the hire the employee just yet. Whereas when you hire the employee and you just do it, all of a sudden you find ways to actually bring in additional return on your investment at that point. It's almost as, it's almost like the head junk that was in my head. I finally just said, screw it. I'm going to do it and I'm just going to make it happen. And next thing you know, from an income, from a practice, from the value aspect, like it exponentially got better for me. Do you find, is that fair to say? Yeah, sometimes and, you have to take the risk because sometimes we're gonna um, overanalyze things so much that it prevents you from doing anything. And you have to be really careful when you're procrastinating, overanalyzing, or what I say, perf being a perfectionist. You have to be, think about is, is, it, because, is it because you're fearful? You know, what, yep. what's the reason behind that? And so you're right. So it's great to get the numbers. You could say, okay, let's say it's a thousand dollars. They have to, it has to cover, I have to at least pay an extra thousand dollars this month. Can I afford it with the current budget I have? Yes. So if you can, then why shouldn't you be going forward? And if you're not, you have to hesitate to say, you know, what is the fear here? But sometimes for me too, it's, I just take the chance. You know, if I, I, you take so many times you take the leap of faith, but I will say, 
for right. me, it's always a calculated leap of faith. It's never totally <laughs> blind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely went, well, if I freed up eight hours a week for me, what could I do in the eight hours to help pay the employee for one, and then two, make it worth the practice's time and as soon as I broke down like what I make per hour with my clients and I went into mm -hmm. the math, I'm like, oh, the eight hours more than makes up. It was hands down a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. But the mind crap that was going through my head had me skip that part. <laughs> exactly. And you always will when it comes to, to money and if there's a hang up yep. with it or I mean, everybody will. And then the other thing is you want to see um, I always say to have a goal. So let's say it's a cost of making even number $1,000. You might want to say, okay, I'm going to hire this person. or well, I want to bring in an extra $2,000. So I feel more than happy. I don't want to just break even. I want to bring in $2,000. So then that makes you a lot more confident with your decision when you look at the end of the month and you're like, oh, wow, I did bring an extra couple of thousand dollars. Um, it makes you kind of, it helps to reaffirm the decision. Absolutely. Well, I know you've got your, I know you're back to back all day today. So I want to make sure mm -hmm. I'm, I'm taking care of your time. But if, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or even get to the, get your book, how do they go about doing that? Sure. So my website is Dr. Jaquel, D-R-Jaquel, J-A-Q-U-E-L-N-D.com. And on that site, I have information about, you know, me as a practitioner, but also, just, I have a coaching program. So I have a coaching program for integrative, integrated providers both successful and scalable businesses. So it's on there as well. And then I also have um, the book, Naturalpreneurs, and it's on pre-sale now. So if you're interested in purchasing the book um, to actually get the paper copy, it's on Naturalpreneurs, uh, N-A-T-U-R-A-L, preneurs, P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S, uh, presale.com. So that's to get the signed paper copy from me. So you can go directly to that website to get that. It's available now on Amazon, on Kindle, the Kindle version. So you can get that. But if you do want to get the paper copy, I'd love for you to do that. So I could sign the copy and send that out to you as well. Awesome. And take, uh, take a look at the show notes because those, those uh, uh, email addresses or not website addresses uh, will be in the show notes as well. So Dr. Patterson, I appreciate you being on the show today and uh, best of luck with everything else you got going on your plate right now. Thank you so, so, thank you so much for having me and as well to you. All right. Thanks. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 9093991100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, CIPIC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-955-9.
Vibration 02.